Hey there, thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church podcast. Our church started meeting together in 2018 with four core values, truth, gather, serve, and love. In many ways, it feels like our church has restarted in 2021 due to the pandemic. But our four core values remain the same, truth, gather, serve, love. In this series, we're going through each one, one week at a time. To find out more about our church, to join a community group, or to give online, visit threecreekschurch.com. Well, good morning, Three Creeks. My name is Joel, and welcome to our church. If you're here and you're part of the family, what's up? Good to be together. And if you're new, uh, a special welcome to you. We're glad you're here. And something we like to say around here, and the reason we like to say it is because it's very true, uh, that wherever you're at on your spiritual journey and you're on one, you're welcome in our church. And we are glad that you are here. Uh, like Amy said a minute ago, we are in a series called This Is Still Us. This Is Us was the first series in Three Creeks history in February two, uh, 2018. I went back and listened to some of those messages over the last couple months. And the one that I'm going to share today, coincidentally, I open up that message by saying, hey, good morning, welcome to Three Creeks Church, and it's freezing in here. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but Goshen Lane used to get really, really cold, and I know that it's a little chilly in here in the room today, so bring your sweatshirts for the rest of the fall. We will try to figure things out. Uh, as we go through this series, one core value at a time, I want to, we wanted to take four weeks to do it because we wanted each one of them to have a chance to breathe and permeate, and we didn't want to rush through them. I'm going to get to today's value in just a minute, but I want to offer, uh, if it'd be all right with you, uh, I want to revisit one thing that I shared with you last week, and I, I think I need to apologize for it, and I want to ask for the space to make a clarification and ask for your forgiveness. I was talking about gathering. I was talking about the point in gathering when we ought to come, when we come in here, our, our mindset ought to be that we want to come and to meet with God, with the people of God. And I explained that I think if our reason is not that, if our reason is another reason, then we can become critical or skeptical and we become more evaluator, less participator. And then I went so far to say that if you, you know, if you find yourself saying things like, well, I don't like this, or I don't like that, I then proceeded to say, I don't care anymore. And I think I missed the mark on my wording and my tone. And I, I just wanna, I want uh, to just make a clarifying, let me just try to make that more clear. I was not saying in any way whatsoever that I'm, I'm not open to feedback, I'm looking to isolate myself, I'm looking to make decisions by myself, and I don't care what you think anymore. That, it's just not, it's not how I feel. I feel 34 going on 28. Like, I feel very young in this, and so I would just be such a fool to isolate myself and, and not need your help to, to, to help this church. Like, I, I just don't feel that way. I think in the moment, I was trying to condemn the mentality of like a me first mentality when coming into church, like the question of like, what is this gonna do for me? 
and I, I, I want to, I still kind of want to do that. I don't think that's the mentality what I have. I think we should come in going like, how can I come and bring a sacrifice of praise to God? But in no way whatsoever was I saying that I think I have this figured out and I don't need anybody's help. And this week was a great example for me personally of, of people coming alongside me and helping me. And at the end of this message, I'm going to get to share a little bit about that. A little bit about that. So uh, if that's how you took it, that's on me. That's just a miscommunication. And I'm just, I sincerely apologize for that and need your grace as I continue to have foot and mouth disease from time to time. It won't be the last time that it disappoint you. That's for sure. All right. Uh, today's core value is truth. It's truth. Here at Three Creeks, we believe that the Bible is true and we live our lives by it. In this Bible, maybe you're familiar with this, maybe you're not, there's 66 books in here, 39 books in the Old Testament written before the time of Jesus, 27 books in the New Testament written about the life of Jesus and the church thereafter and of things to come. Do you know how many different people penned these? How many different people wrote these books? About 40 different authors over the course of about 1,500 years. In the Bible, or, or some of the authors, kings, peasants, philosophers, fishermen, poets, and scholars. They write about history, poetry, letters, songs, and some 50 shades of Solomon. Geographical surveys, architectural descriptions, travel diaries, population statistics, family trees, inventories, and legal documents. And I believe, and we believe in this church, that this was written by God. That the Holy Spirit of God moved through people to write down these words. We believe that this is God's word. And I understand that there's some people in the room right now that you're already like, I don't know. You're a little skeptical about that. And as we go through the, the four core values of our church, I actually don't think you probably will disagree with the other ones. When I say it's good to get together, you're like, yeah, that, that's a, I, I'm good with that. When, I, when we talk about serving people or loving people where they're at, everybody's going to say, yes, of course. But I get that as I say that the Bible is true, that this is the truth and that we're going to live our lives by it, I understand that there's some skepticism in the room. And I also believe, because this has been my experience, I also believe that even if you've been a Christian for a long time, and even if you've said, I believe that the Bible is true, that from time to time you wonder if it is. If this, is this really the truth? The, uh, the fortunate thing about that is that if you feel skeptical, you're not the only one. In fact, I believe that somebody who wrote a lot of the Bible, he wrote, I think, 70-some of the Psalms. His name was David, King David. And, and as he writes the Psalms, even in his human heart, as he's penning the Psalms, I believe that God is reminding David through David that this is true. I don't, know if that, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's amazing that I can feel David's emotion when David would write things like, where are you, God? Are you, how long, O oh Lord, are you going to let us do this? Are you even there? Are you even listening? And it's God writing through David 
to David. I want to take you today to something that David wrote about what God says. And so if you have your Bibles, would you go to Psalm 19? Psalm 19, I think David wrote this to the skeptic. I think David wrote this to the person with questions. In Psalm 19, I'm going to take you through the first eight verses of that psalm today. And to the, the first six verses of this, so I guess the first three quarters of what I'm going to go through, is written to the person who wonders if God is real. It's written to the person who questions whether God exists at all. And then the last two verses are written to the person that is skeptical as to whether or not the words of God matter. Whether God's word should make a difference in our lives and I think over the next 20 or 25 minutes, I think that you're going to see that the Bible is true. And one thought that I want you to have, even as we read this, is this. True things prove themselves to be true over time. And false things prove themselves to be false over time. A true thing can't be false and a false thing can't be true. True things, they get truer and false things, they get falser over time if you watch them play out. Let's look at what David says in Psalm 19, verse 1. I'm going to read the first six verses. And remember, David in this psalm is addressing people who want to know, is God even real? He writes, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, and the skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, the heavens and the skies, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make God known. They speak without sound or word. Their voice is never heard. You can just see it. Yet, their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding, it rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. David is essentially saying, look around and try to come up with a logical explanation as to who else could have done this. He's going like, I know you can't see God with your eyes, and I know you haven't maybe heard his audible voice, but come on. Like, look around. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. David is saying, if you have questions about God, come on. Look around. And, and, and th what's amazing about David at this point is he doesn't even know a, a 5% of what we know of now about the universe, right? Like brilliant people invite or in, in uh, not invite, what's the word? Make things, come up with it. Invent. Oh. Brilliant people, unlike me, invent, invent. Telescopes that see, I don't know, thousands, millions of miles away. And now what we know about the universe that God has created, it's interesting, the more you get to know, it doesn't get simpler, it just gets more complicated. D did you know that one million Earths can fit inside of the sun? 
One million earths can fit inside of the sun. Who else could have done this? There's a planet made of diamonds. Did anybody know that? It's unbelievable. A whole planet? There are more stars in the universe than sand, grains of sand on earth. Think about that. Think about the number of grains of sand in my sandbox at my house. Like millions, billions probably. There's more stars in the universe. Listen, people smarter than me have wrote this down. I didn't come up with it. David's saying, listen, the more that you look around, the more that you're going to see, nobody else could have done this. Nobody else could have done this. And then the author, David, shifts his focus from the world to the word, to the words of God. Look at verse 7. It says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. It's a bold claim that David makes, and it's, a, it's in our Bibles. It's a bold claim that the Bible makes about itself that the commands, the instructions, and the decrees of the Lord are going to revive our souls and make wise the simple and bring joy to our heart and give insight for living. So David writes this, and in verse 1 through 6, he goes, listen, if you've got questions about God, come on, look around. Who else could have done this? And then in verse 7 and 8, he makes very confident claims because David knows that true things over time will reveal themselves to be true and false things over time will reveal themselves to be false. And one of my favorite uh, old-time theologian pastors wrote this. He said, he is wisest who reads both the world book, that's 1 through 6, and the word book, as two volumes of the same work and feels concerning them, my father wrote them both. My father wrote them both. He created the world and he, he wrote the Bible. God through people wrote the Bible. I want to take a few minutes and I want to just look at verses 7 and 8. And I want to, I want to look and see what the Bible promises that it will do. I don't know how much you read the Bible. I don't know if it's a regular part of your life. I don't know if it's something that you do weekly or monthly, or if you have one. I, I think we're probably on different areas of the spectrum as it relates to our relationship with the Bible. But I want to talk to you about two verses where the Bible promises what it will do. The first thing that it says that it will do, the instructions of the Lord will revive the soul— the decrees of the Lord will give you wisdom. The commandments of the Lord will bring joy to your heart. And the commands of the Lord will give you insight for living. Other translations say it will give light to your eyes. I don't know about you, but I look at that list and think, I would, 
I, I, would, I need all four of those things. Anybody else? Anybody else interested in having their soul revived? Anybody else? Anybody else recently had the thought, man, I just, I don't even feel like myself right now. If I'm honest, I feel spiritually dry. My soul, it just feels apathetic, like I'm sad it's dry, but I'm not really even willing to do anything because I'm, I'm apathetic towards it. Did anybody else's soul dry out with online church? I'm just having conversation after conversation with other people about how their souls don't feel like they are alive. They feel like they're in a dry spot. And as I'm having conversations with other people, I think, me too. And David's saying that the instructions of the Lord can revive the soul. It can make you come alive. And, and if you're anything like me, you are tempted to look other places to revive your soul. And maybe even your habits are to look other places to revive your soul. And maybe if you're anything like me, you're tempted to go somewhere that, that probably isn't going to be a place that revives your soul, but you want to try it out anyway to see if something can make you come alive. And I'm reminded when Paul wrote to Timothy, his protege, he goes, hey, remember, how from infancy, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures. You've been taught the Bible. You know what's true. You know what's true, Timothy, and you know that the Holy Scriptures, they can make you wise for salvation. It can revive your soul, Timothy. And so if anybody else in the room is feeling like me, where you go, I, I could use a revival in my soul, David's writing, it's found... in the instructions of the Lord. The second one, which for me, it's like none of these are in first place because I need them all, but it's like I don't need, I need this one a lot. It says it will give you wisdom. It will make wise the simple. Does anybody else feel simple? I couldn't even come up with the word invent five minutes ago. I've been exposed. I'm a simple man. I own mutual funds. I have no idea what they are. And people tell me I own companies and I'm like, how? I don't, even, I don't even know what that is. I'm 34 years old. I got to officiate a wedding yesterday. I had to YouTube how to tie a tie. I'm a simple man. When I have an issue with my car, my tire, for example, I, I first go to the gas station and try to fill up with air. I hope that the machine works. And if it still doesn't work, if it keeps going flat, I call my dad. I'm a simple man, and my dad says, well, did you kick it, you know? Did anybody else feel like they could use a little bit more wisdom in their life? Because me, as a dad, I have a five-year-old girl named Cooper, and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with Cooper and where we're going to send her to school next year. And for anybody that has any kids and they've ever been five years old and you're about to send your first child to school and you're not really sure what to do, you'd probably agree with me that, yeah, 
we could use a little bit more wisdom. I don't know what to do. Is she the one? Is he the one? Should I go on this date? Should we get engaged? Could you use any more wisdom? Should we sell our house? Will we find a house to buy? Should we move? Should we stay? Should I go back to school? Should I change my job? Should I stay in my job? What am I... David's saying, the decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. They make wise the simple. And if you're anything like me, you know that we could use a little bit more wisdom. And and the Bible doesn't come as like this instruction manual to answer the decision. And nowhere here does it say, go to this school or that one. But the Bible comes along as as God, a friend, wanting to come close to you and let you know him and he can counsel you and he can reveal himself to you. I was talking with Jeff before church. This isn't just ink on white paper. There's, this thing is living and active and can move in us. The Bible makes wise the simple and it brings joy. It brings joy to the heart. The Bible brings joy to the heart. If I sit and I think about life, only life, and I don't think about God and I don't read my Bible, if I sit and I just stew on what's going on around me, I am overwhelmed with grief. It just stinks to look around. I'd rather scroll stupid TikTok videos and actually know what's going on because it just brings grief. It just brings like, turmoil inside if I sit and I just think about the world and I don't think about God. But David is saying, the commandments of the Lord are right. It will bring joy to your heart. If I sit and I have the discipline to sit and read slowly this story and I spend more time in it and I I read that, that my sins are forgiven and that God wants to be in a relationship with me. When I, when I read this, it's not a list of things that I need to do for God, but really it's a story about what God did for me. When I sit and I just stew on that, when I, when I read in here that God is working despite the fact that I can't see everything he's doing, that gives joy to my heart. It gives, it gives me hope that everything that I see isn't all that's going on and that God is working beyond what my eyeballs can see. That gives me joy and it gives me hope. I believe he's doing more than I can see. And I could use a little bit of joy. And it says that it will give you insight. It will give you perspective. The commands of the Lord are clear. They give insight for living. I grabbed my daughter Cooper this week as I was studying this, and she ran out, and I said, Cooper, let me tell you about these two verses. Verses 7 and verse 8, and I was going through them, and I said, Cooper, insight for living. She's like, what's that? I said, there's another uh, version that says it gives light to your eyes. She goes, what's that? I said, Cooper, you know, like, when we set up the tent in the backyard, what do you love to play with when we set up the tent in the backyard? She says, the flashlight. 
I said, why do you love to play with the flashlight? She says, because it can help me know where I'm going and it helps me not run into stuff. I said, exactly. It gives insight for living. It helps us know where we're going and it helps us not run into stuff. You know what kind of stuff I'm talking about? The decisions that we might be prone to make that would destroy our lives and bring great pain to the people around us. The Bible is like a guardrail. It gives insight for living. And when you spend a lot of time in it, it guards you and helps you not run into stuff. It's a light for your path. You guys, the commandments, the commands, the decrees, the instructions of the Lord, they revive the soul. They make wise the simple. They bring joy to your heart. And they give you insight for living. The Bible makes claims that it can come through on because the truth will, present it, will reveal itself to be true over time. And I've had a couple conversations with people recently. Probably two weeks ago, I had two conversations with a, a couple friends and, and they were just kind of questioning whether or not this was actually true. They were wondering about, you know, how many times it's been translated and why aren't there other books included in it? And what makes this God's word versus another book? And, and I was just having this conversation. Those are valid questions. And I think my, my best answer is that true things will prove themselves to be true if you watch them play out over time. And I'm 34, so I'm not that old, I, I, but I've seen just enough in life to believe that this is true and that true things will reveal themselves to be true over time. If you give it space, it will be true. And I pointed both of these two individuals to another psalm that David wrote. If you're in Psalm 19, flip back to Psalm chapter 1. In Psalm 1, David writes about the law of the Lord, the words of God. And he writes this in Psalm 1, verse 1, and then down into verse 3. It says, Oh, the joys of those who, those who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Oh, the joys of those who delight in the law of the Lord. Those who, those, they're like trees planted along the riverbank. I had the opportunity a couple years ago to go with my dad to Israel, to where David would have written this, to the place called En Gedi. And maybe I've shared this with you before, but it's worth sharing again. When you're out there and you're driving on this bus, you can't see a leaf of green. I mean, it is just arid, rocky, mountain desert. And then off in the distance, you begin to see trees. You begin to see greenery, life. And they're all in a line. And you, your, your tour bus kind of pulls up and all these trees look like they were planted by somebody in a line. And you get a little closer and you begin to hear that there's a river there. There's a river in the middle of these arid places and on either side of the river 
is life. And David, while he's out in this arid desert, writes Psalm 1. He says, those who meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, they're the ones like trees planted by streams of water. They're the ones that offer shade, that offer life, that are beautiful to look at. So I, I looked at this picture and just thought, man, what if, what if Three Creeks Church was like that? What if we were a group of people where we just choose to plant ourselves alongside the riverbank? That we are a bunch of riverbank trees. We haven't planted our... Listen, there's other rivers to try to plant yourself and that, that you think that might give you life. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I think you could probably identify in your own life a place that you might go as a source of truth or a source of life that, that doesn't leave you feeling like your soul is revived. And what David is saying in Psalm chapter 1 is plant yourselves by, on the riverbanks, be a person that meditates on God's word day and night. Now, in the beginning of this message, we play this audio clip from three and a half years ago where I was describing, you know, what kind of church we were going to be. And I've been reflecting a little bit on what I shared then, and I've kind of been evaluating, like, have we done that? Have we been a people that have planted ourselves along the riverbank of God's Word? Are we alive in God's Word like I hoped that we would be? And in a very honest evaluation, and with the help of friends that love me, I, this, I guess this is my second apology of the day, I just think from time to time, perhaps I have missed the mark on this one. I think, I'm just being honest, I think we've done a couple series, and I think I've had a couple messages that, ha that have been a little bit Joel's word heavy and less God's word heavy. I just think that's true. I could say it isn't, but I think it is. And the thing about my ideas and my thoughts is that I love them because they're mine. And I get excited to share it from time to time, and they're not all bad, but they're not God's word necessarily. And as the pastor of this church, I just want you to know, I am rejuvenated in my interest and my desire to present this before you every single week and just let you sit in it and just let you experience it and listen like Listen to what God wants to say and less about what I want to say. Like if you leave thinking, only remembering something that I said, but forgetting even where it was from, then I've missed the mark on that. Like the reality is, is that I'm the one talking, but my hope is that God would be the one that is speaking here. And so even this week, our spiritual direction team, we kind of got together and we, we evaluated what's even coming up this fall, what's starting in the spring, and, and we're going back. We're, we're, we're rejuvenated in our interest to present God's word to you and let it be what speaks to you the most. I, I don't even, I, I think you'll notice a little bit of a difference, maybe not a big one. I hope not a big one, honestly. But I just, I just want to say that from time to time, I miss the mark. I, I assure you I'll do it again. But I'm rejuvenated in my interest and my desire to be a church that just opens the Bible and says, God, what do you want to say to us today? Because if we do that, then we can be like trees on the riverbank. 
You don't want to plant your tree on the river of Joel, trust me. It's not life-giving. But God's word can revive your soul, make you wise, give joy to your heart, and give you insight for living. And so I'm recommitted in a major way to present this to you every single week. And I hope that you'll come and I hope that we can be a bunch of riverbank trees that experience life and give life to others through Jesus. Will you all pray with me? Let's pray. God, would you help me? I think I'm brilliant and you know I'm not. And I'm okay with that. I pray, God, that you would help me not to be, not to even try to be a content creator, but help me, God, to be a truth presenter. Help me to go with what you say, not what I think. I pray that our church would be receptive to what you say. And I pray, God, that if we would be people that meditate on your word day and night, that we would look like trees planted on the riverbank, that we would produce fruit in our lives, that we would offer shade to our friends, and that we would be full of life because of your word. So God, would you guard me and would you guard our spiritual direction team? Would you guard our church and keep us tethered, God, to your word? Help us not to wander. You know, God, that I am prone. I am prone to wander, not to follow. So I ask you, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would guard me and guard our church and let us be trees on the riverbank that love your word. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about our church, or weekly services, joining a group or a team, or to give online, visit threecreekschurch.com.